exit if you blink you've gone too far we all get our news from the gal behind the bar it takes a village to raise this community and even if you don't go to church you say grace or give your thanks before you eat this is us a small town in america and put simply we like things how they used to be we got one stop sign the bar closes at nine and we got an exxon you can't miss it it's up there on the right and this is home we take care of our own if you can't relate get back on the interstate and go Happy Wednesday, everybody, and hopefully it is a happy Wednesday. I hope that this has become a part of your Wednesday morning routine. Welcome to the latest episode of Climax the Podcast, Love Letter to a Small Town, a product of the Climax Scots Digital Network. This is Kevin Harvey, proud 1998 graduate of Climax Scots Community Schools. I love the towns of Climax and Scots, and I love even more bringing the story of the people and the places of this community to you every Wednesday. Hopefully this is welcome back. If episode 18 happens to be your first episode of Climax the Podcast, I'm glad you're here and I hope you stay. Hopefully if you are back, that's because you've subscribed to our feeds, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously that helps us out. That helps us out in all these algorithms and things in technology that kind of push this show into more people's eyes and ears. But for you, if you like this show and you like the stories of Climax and Scott's, Well, you're never going to miss a beat. The second that I put this new episode on the internet, you're getting a notification on your phone or your device, and you know there's a new episode ready to go. In fact, last week, we had two. If you haven't checked them out yet, we had the Salute to Veterans series with Frank Bowman Sr., and then there was the Panther Playoff special that was produced by the journalism class that I've been working with with Ms. Jennifer Wright at Climax Scott's High School. Two very different but very fun episodes. If you haven't heard them yet, go back and check them out in the archives. And as repeat listeners have come to expect here on Climax the Podcast, we like to do our business up front. Climax the Podcast is a free show to listen to, but it is not a free show to produce, and it would not be possible without great help from our sponsors and partners. Thanks to our original sponsor, the OG, Kristen Wachowski from State Farm. Kristen is a Climax Scots grad, and she puts a lot of goodwill into the community, especially since she's opened her office in Battle Creek. Her office is located at the intersection of Columbia and 20th Street. It's right across the street from Ollie's and behind Chicago Title, and you can see her big, beautiful sign right there on 20th Street. Kristen and her team make insurance very, very easy for their customers. I know I've worked with insurance agents who get lost in all this weird language that I only partially understand. With Kristen's team, it's basically, look, Here's what I need. Boom. They make it happen. Easy as that. I just moved states not that long ago, and that could have been very complicated. I think it was like 15 minutes of my time. Couldn't have been simpler. So if you are in the market for insurance or maybe are reconsidering your current insurance options, if you have needs for auto insurance, motorcycle insurance, homeowners insurance, condo insurance, renter's insurance, business, life, recreational vehicle, boat insurance, and more, you can go see Kristen and the team at her office. You can give them a call at 269-968-5130, or you can go to their website, callkristin.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N, callkristin.com. And Climax the Podcast this week is brought to you in part by Eldred Homestead Bed and Breakfast. Eldred Homestead B&B is located at 6378 South 44th Street in Climax, and it is one of, if not the most historic sites in Climax. The name Eldred alone is rooted as deep in Climax history as it possibly can go. And the Eldred Homestead is teeming with history and stories and character and personality. Chris and Rand have done a great job making that a very, very special place in the community. If you're coming back into town to visit friends or family, why not stay at Eldred Homestead? Sure, there's lots of hotels around Battle Creek and Kalamazoo, but I promise you this is going to be a vastly more unique experience and keep you closer to home. Even if you're living in town, maybe you're looking for a getaway and that's kind of hard to do if you're a parent and you've got your kids and all the activities, all the practices, all the rehearsals and everything. This is a great way to get that little getaway feel, but staying right here in town. For more information on Eldred Homestead Bed and Breakfast, you can check out their listing on Airbnb.com. You can give them a call at 269-808-8183 or send them an email to eldredhomestead at gmail.com. 
And of course, Climax the Podcast would not be possible without the help of our friends and access to the archives at Prairie Historical Society. PHS has been documenting the history of the Climax Scots area and surrounding areas since 1984, and there's a lot of fascinating stuff in that history room at Lawrence Memorial Library. The history room is open to the public two different times per week, Tuesday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon, and then Thursdays from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And on Thursdays, we've actually added a new show. It's a Facebook live stream from the Climax Scots Digital Network Facebook page called History Comes to Live. That's streaming on Facebook Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. And in that, we take deep dives into certain topics, maybe businesses. This week, I think I'm going to delve into some people from Climax Past. PHS has done great work for a very long time, and they are supported by membership donations. To become an annual member of PHS, it's just $15 for the year. That gets you access to their six bi-monthly newsletters. In fact, this month, it's a deep dive into the masquerade shop that used to be in Climax. And that topic actually came up from History Comes to Live. So all these things in this community interaction is really helping not just preserve our history, but bring it to life for even more people who may not even be in the Climax Scots community right now. To become a member of Prairie Historical Society, you can send that $15 payment to Prairie Historical Society, 107 North Main Street, PO Box 82, Climax, Michigan, 49034, or if you'd like to send the payment digitally, you can work that out with me and I'll make things happen for you. Best way to do that would be to use the contact form at ClimaxScottsDigitalNetwork.com. And just like that, the business is done. Stay tuned after this week's main event for a little bit of information on the return of Caroling on the Corners in downtown Climax. As for the main event this week, we have El Presidente, the village president of the village of Climax, Jim Cummings. Sitting down and talking to Jim, it was very interesting because technically this was probably our first conversation ever, and we talked for a good long time and we covered a lot of ground. So much ground that this is actually a part one. There will be part two coming at you next Wednesday. So if you're listening to this interview and it feels like, oh, hey, that kind of ended out of nowhere, well, it's because we had to split that somewhere (laughs) to edit this into a two-part episode. So if you're aching for more information about the smells and spirits of the old hardware building, I've got that coming for you in part two of Jim's interview that's coming at you next week. That's just one more reason to mash that subscription button on your Apples, your Spotify's, and all the podcast feeds of the world. That way you make sure you don't miss part two next week. For now, without further ado, let's kick it to the main event of episode 18, It Takes a Village President, part one, with Jim Cummings. Welcome to another episode of Climax, the podcast, Love Letter to a Small Town, and I don't even want to say what episode number, because I've got a feeling this one could very easily turn into multiple episodes, and I don't, should I address you as Mr. President? What should the formalities be here? How about Jim? That sounds good to me, too. Well, we're going to travel a lot of the roads of Jim's life and history and its path, his path to Climax and beyond. But uh, in front of me, we've got Mr. Jim Cummings. Jim, thanks for being with us on Climax the Thank podcast. you for calling and setting this up. Uh, uh, it's a pleasure meeting you. And there's so many places we could start, but I don't know. Is Climax ready for the story of a young Jim Cummings? I know they can read the bios out there in different places, but we've got, I'd love to hear it from the horse's mouth. Sort of what was your path to this lovely village and township of Climax? Oh, man, that's, we talking super ultra young Jim as far back as you want yeah, to go. This, this is a long story, and there's a lot of bodies left and right of the, the road, I, trust me. I don't know. What uh, what would you like me to tell you about? Well, I feel like an elephant in the room right now as we're sitting in your Soundstage 1 recording studio, mm-hmm. which I remember at the time it came in, a lot of folks were like, oh my gosh, this is coming into Climax and in the old hardware. And right. I, We've oh. been here about 25 years now. And I, I feel like my little Zoom, I hope it doesn't uh, curl up and go in the corner. It's in the, we've got all the high-tech audio equipment of the world, and it's got like, eh, I got, got our old microphones and my City Mile scratch to heck Zoom, but it still gets the job. That looks good, and those are good good units, and you're just surrounded by a lot of new and really old technology. We, basically, I have every bit of technology that I've had the entire history of Soundstage. Not really sold much of anything, so... And what that boils down to is when I kick off, which of course could be at any second, 
um, my wife gets to deal with all this stuff. So, but well, we're good. Yeah. And just looking around the room right before we turned the microphones on, we were reminiscing about some of our, both of our, maybe in some perspective, uh, ancient history to the kids today of when physical tape was a thing and the yeah, tape splicer yeah, and yeah, yeah. just how much longer even doing something like a small podcast project like that would be just what now could be, well, it might still be hours, but you might be looking at five to 15 hours instead of 35 to 48 hours. 50, 60, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely did that too. Well, uh, what? Childhood? Is that what you want all the way up? Yeah. Well, now, I know you were not originally from Climax, right? Right. So where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in uh, in the southern Battle Creek area. I went to Harper Creek school system the entire my entire uh, years in school. Um, grew up on a farm. I was born on Six and a Half Mile Road in Battle Creek. Parents, wonderful, wonderful parents. Um, my father was the manager of a store in downtown Battle Creek called L.W. Robinson's. Okay, I did not know that. I know the name. From the early 50s. Uh, he worked there most mostly his entire career until his retirement. Uh, he saved it a couple times. Um, but anyway, that's what my father did. My, father, my mother was an actress and a model in, in Hollywood during the 40s. She, she was born in um, Kalamazoo, and then my grandfather, who was a professional musician, uh, he was a xylophone player in big bands, and he was also in the MGM um, orchestra. So uh, she decided she wanted to be in showbiz. She was just really beautiful. And um, out she went to Hollywood, and there's where she was. Now, so she was in that. She was an extra in a lot of movies. She was worked as a model all around town. Um, uh, went to the Pasadena Playhouse. So my mother was my mother was a trip. She uh, she was basically Scarlett O'Hara. I mean, any anything anything with life turned into this major Gone with the Wind drama. She was always that way. She was that that way till the day she passed. Uh, my father was just a handsome guy. She came back. Her grandmother had passed in in '46 or '7, I think, and um, uh, met my dad. And she never went back. So I had one other son, Mark, my brother, who, who passed away a couple years ago. And uh, uh, I'm really the only one left. But anyway, grew up in uh, Harper Creek. Went to Beetle Lake Elementary. Then I went to Harper Creek Junior High. They're on Beckley, and then I went to Harper Creek High School, which is now the junior high of Harper Creek. Um, grew up on a farm. They had 35 horses. Wow. Um, what I like to tell for, and, and plus, you know, a lot of land and property, so I was always on my little scooters or my go-karts or my horses. I was in 4-H. I just had a phenomenally wonderful, happy childhood. I mean... I feel badly when people talk about what lousy, miserable, you know, childhoods they had. And that's why they're so messed up and all that. I'm thinking, well, I'm plenty messed up, but I had a really nice childhood. So uh, the difference between my brother and I were that um, he took after my grandfather who had a big farm. He just loved everything farm, tractors and baling and manure and fixing and spitting and uh, you know, I just never did. I mean, I I did it because I I was a kid and I lived there and I had to do it. But baling hay and cleaning stalls has never been my idea of any kind of <laughs> existence. Uh, so he, he grew up and um, he ended up doing that most of his life. Uh, I couldn't wait to get out of there because, um, well, I tell this story. Uh, I graduated from high school. I was 17 years old. They put me in early. Um, so I graduated early. And uh, within two weeks of, um, of graduating, I, was, I got a job with a band and off I went. Uh, I think I got a picture of it, some, of that band somewhere. Um, mostly because haying season was coming. <laughs> Man, I hated it. Plus, they only they paid fifty cents an hour, you know. So, boy, you worked hard and you're in the barn and out in the fields. 
the ideal time to hay is, of course, 160 degrees. <laughs> Roughly, yes. Yeah, so, uh, boy, when I could, I got out of there. And, um, but it's funny because whenever I'd come back to visit, if it was on a weekend, um, Sunday morning, I'd, I'd hear on the bedroom door pounding my dad saying, all right, let's go, we got stalls to clean. And 35 stalls is a lot of stalls to clean. That it is. So I went off. Uh, I'm going to encapsulate this. If anybody would like to read my, my bio a lot more complete, there's a, there's a lot of them out there. And there's a lot of YouTube interviews and things like that. But um, go to the uh, GHS strings <clears throat> and look under their artist pages. And then there's a page of, of me with my bio in there, and it's really well written and tells all of the story much better than I can do today. So if you want to look at it at length, go look at that, GHS Strings. And we'll directly link that too. So listening to this podcast, if you just look at the description of this show, you'll be able to tap that link. We can put that in on the file that people are listening to right now and make that super easy. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah, well, okay. So I went on the road with a band called Liquid Sunshine. It was just uh, back then they were called show bands. Uh, and keep in mind that during the time I was in high school, I was, I started learning how to play. First, I was in, I was in 4-H for about four years, going to the fair with my horse and all that, mostly because of all the pretty girls. <laughs> uh, but then I learned, I saw the Beatles. I learned how to play guitar, and I, I found that I had a knack for it. And then started playing uh, school dances and things like that. So once I realized that I could get a lot lot prettier girls with my guitar than my horse, I dropped the horse, moved to the guitar. Um, and it didn't, certainly worked out that way, but that was when I was about 13 or so, 14. Uh, and that just encompassed my entire uh, life. Now, during the time I, I was playing all the high school dances and all that, I also would play uh, some of the strip joints, and I was only 15, 16, so they'd sneak me in, <laughs> I'd go play. Nobody really paid any attention to the band. Right. It was, it was they were watching the girls. So it was a really good place for me to learn. And at the same time, I, um, I would go on Sundays and, and sneak in and sit, sit in the back row of a number of, of black churches in Battle Creek uh, and listen to them sing. So that's that's where I learned about soul and uh, and how to sing in that kind of gutsy type way. Um, I also would go down to places like the uh, Bellman and Waiters Club and the uh, um, Gilbert Lounge where Del Shannon used to be and uh, um, and uh, the El Grotto. Now that was the best place because uh, Jackie Beavers played there, Ivy Simpson. Junior Walker played there all the time. I ended up playing with almost all of those guys once I got actually good. But that's where I learned to play. So I'd, I'd been really heavily into music before the end of school, and I did well in school. I did well enough, you know. It was easy. School was pretty easy for me. So off I went with a show band where you all dressed alike and did um, whatever was popular, basically cover band, top 40 band. Did that. In and out of different bands, uh, went real well, uh, till right in the middle to the latter part of the 70s, and then I started getting jobs because of my proficiency. I mean, I got real fat, real good real fast. Plus, I was a good singer, plus I was a cute kid. <laughs> so everybody wanted that. So with the agency that we had back then, which was called MCA, biggest agency in the world at that time, if one of their big bands, somebody got sick or they needed a fill-in or whatever, they'd pull bands, people from their other, and that's how that worked with me. So I ended up playing a lot of big stars. You can look at my bio and figure that out. Um, so I traveled full-time on the road. Actually started soundstage in the late 70s because I was making a lot of money and I was playing a lot of big shots and got cocky. <laughs> so I, I started a business in Battle Creek, and then I was coming back and forth, so touring full-time and, you know, putting other people in charge. That didn't work out so well. That ended up losing too much money, so I shut that down. But I kept traveling till about 85, at which time everybody wanted to have a studio, all the bands. Oh, man, I want to have my own studio. 
Well, back then there was only one or two big studios in big towns. Now everybody can have a studio. They can have a studio literally in the closet. You know, they can anywhere they want. So that has affected the big studios like this. Um, but when I started, I knew right off the bat that the only way to make money doing this was not with bands, because I had done that. Musicians generally don't have any money. If they do have money, they're going to spend it before they pay you. <laughs> and uh, number three, if they're covered with a record company, uh, that, that usually takes anywhere from six months to a year to get paid from. So I knew that was just not going to support the size studio I wanted. So I went into commercial music, working with advertising agencies and corporations. And that turned Soundstage into, into a monolith. There's never been a, pl a place, in, in uh, certainly in Michigan, that, that has been as successful as Soundstage was. Now a Soundstage is more of a just almost a personal thing for me now. I certainly don't need all of this anymore, but it comes in handy. We still do a lot of soundtracks. We still do our share of original music. Uh, I do a few band type things. My touring band, we do all our albums. And then if any big people, uh, I know, you know, Nugent, we used to do all his hunting shows and he's been here many times, of course, Seeger and um, a lot of other people. But um, uh, they like big studios, big first class, world class studios like this. Um, they don't like going to little places. They like to you know, go to fancy places. Yeah, once you get a taste of the big time, it's kind of hard to go back to the Well, it is and it isn't. You know, I've never considered myself, I've been in the big time a long time, and uh, it's, you just gotta, I was brought up that way. Uh, don't be so full of yourself, Jim, and that kind of stuff. Some people are full yep. of themselves. It's uh, But some of the nicest people I've met, some of the biggest stars, are real nice, like Edgar Winter played with him, and he, he's just, man, he just, he's like me, it's, just, well, that's that's show business. This is real life. Same thing as uh, the Barn Theater out here. That's why my close friends of mine are Brendan and Penelope Rigazzi. And um, I just love them because they're just like me. They, This is separate. Show business is show business, and it's most of it's make-believe. Make if you're signing an autograph, it's for that person. It's not for you. Uh but real life is just real life, and, and both of us do whatever we have to do in order to pay our bills and meet our people and be pleasant. So I've never gone for that. And my attitude about this, because I've experienced so much of it, is, is talent is no excuse for bad behavior. I don't care how talented you are, because people just excuse you if you're talented. They want to give you free things and be your pal and all that stuff. You're special, but everybody has a gift. Might be music, might be acting, might be might be this, what you're doing, podcasts, it might be history, it might be um, pushing a broom behind an elephant. But these, those are gifts to me, so use them, but recognize them for what they are. It makes you special, but really no more special than anybody else in the world. And there's no reason to be snotty and rude. But what you'll find is um, people like me and a lot of my other friends, um, are really fairly shy. I mean, we're not really comfortable around people because uh, we don't know what to say. You know, if you're on if you're on stage in front of thirty thousand people, the lights are blinding you. It's very separate and yeah. very very um, um, what's isolated. You know, so you, you just learn. So my point to all of that is, music has always been my job. I mean, yeah, I love it, but that's my job. So that's the way I've always viewed it, not as I'm doing this because of my. I, that's where my joy is. Some people are like that. I'm not like that. That's my job. Soundstage is my job. President of this village is my job, and I take it all seriously. Uh, so I went on the road, toured all over the world, um, played some phenomenal places, um, loved it, still love it. It's getting more difficult now. Um, but when I decided to start the studio, came back in 85, I started living in my attic in Battle Creek and just worked literally 24 hours a day. And uh, it just got better, better, better. And then I met Jack Lawrence from Lawrence Productions. 
And we really hit it off, and I knew their people for their film video division real well because I was doing a lot of work for them. So we formed a partnership. So I owned over a third of that building there. We built it together. I was there about 10 years. And what you find, I don't know what you if you've seen this, Kevin, but um, <clears throat> partnerships are funny. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much you like each other. I mean, just sometimes, you know, it's just time to move. So I found that I didn't have enough space anymore. I mean, Soundstage was just so huge. Um, so I couldn't, there was nowhere to go there. So I sold my section back to Jack, wonderful man, just passed a year, a couple years ago. Wonderful man. Um, and we saw this in Climax, uh, just on a Sunday out driving around, a friend of us, Greg Murphy, who used to be on the board here and live here, he said, you need to go look at this building. So we saw it and boy, this, this, this baby was rough. Yeah. That but having it, seen it before and after, I can definitely attest to that. But they hadn't messed it all up by tearing out old things and putting in crappy '60s things and stuff like that. So we thought, man, we could we could do something with this. All of our friends, even people who weren't our friends, are saying, "What in the hell are you doing?" Because this is crazy. This will bankrupt you and drive you into the, into a, in an asylum. I'm going well, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but that I've got that vision. So basically, I sold that, pumped ridiculous amounts of money, put a lot of technology in here, and the big reason why we moved here was because of CTS. CTS was one of the first fiber optic companies, certainly in Michigan. Um, and they were really advanced. So we moved here, put all the fiber optics and all these walls, and we still use them. They've, of course, been upgraded. And uh, CTS isn't there anymore, and I'm sorry about that because that was a very personal company, the new company, and I'm not bad-mouthing it, but it's, it's a Detroit company. So there's not much personal in there. I mean, you know, if you're late on your fee, by golly, they're going to shut you off right then. You know, whereas before, if you were late on your fee, call them up they say oh well yeah whenever you get around to it you know so that's sad but um uh yeah i love climax we love climax we've been here 25 years now soundstage um is wound down to the point where it's basically me um an accountant and um anybody else i need to hire now we're doing more movies now um we've done hundreds of video and film projects over the years. In fact, I need to really make a list. But um, we've won virtually every award you can win um, until I stopped entering because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, you find that it it just doesn't matter after a while. You're going, all right, you know, nobody seems to care. So why am I doing all this and entering and all this? So we just stopped entering. Um, so, yeah, Soundstage uh, totally filled me up. I've been on the board of directors of the Village of Climax a couple other times. It's just hard for me to have the time, especially it was when Soundstage was just yeah. cranking. So a couple years ago when I knew I was going to start slowing this down, um, they um, basically browbeat me into getting back on it, which I did. And it's hard. It is really hard. And I've lived in New York City, and I've lived in Los Angeles, and I've been on boards, lots of boards. This one is maybe harder than anyone I've ever been on because everybody is so adamant about how they feel about things. But what had happened, uh, well, I pushed Bruce to be president. He was able to do that, and he did, he did a fine job. And... Um, but he moved, so he couldn't run again. They're out of the city limits. So, you know, everybody was hemming and hawing who would do it and who wouldn't do it. And I says, all right, for crap, I'll just, I'll just <laughs> do it. Um, if you guys all continue to step up and do that. So what we found, or what I found, is I, I'm, I'm a go-getter. I'm a leader. I, 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 
I can see things ahead. I try my best to to do what's good for whatever project or whatever is going. And what I saw with the Village of Climax is it had just kind of slowly become uh, very, uh, what's the word? Well, things weren't being done. Things weren't being enforced. And a lot of that was because nobody wanted to offend anybody. Uh, well, I don't want to do this because then all my neighbors will be mad at me, or I don't want to do this because, you know, then, then, then that'll hurt my business if I do this. So consequently, the things that were being done were just basic maintenance type of deals. And there's, I'm sure there were other things too. But when we stepped in here, uh, man, we, we've hit it hard. The trouble we've run into is, and I get it, um, people like to think, no matter where they live, that, well, yeah, I've got eight cars in my, in my front lawn, but that's my business, and who are you to tell me to move them? Well, what our, what our motto is, if we get, if we get three complaints, then we go after it because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Sure. And uh, frankly, if if we wouldn't have gotten after it at that point, you'd be surprised how far this, this town would be down. Uh, we've been really hard on it and we've made a lot of unfortunate uh, people upset, uh, but this town looks way better. And just driving through way town better. after being away for 21, 22 years, whatever it was, we don't even have to say locations or name. Like I can tell, like some of those things that, yeah, those are hard decisions. That's the short. No, they of it. It's, it's hard it's for not me. An easy decision for anybody. Well, I've told people that, uh, you know, I've been in businesses that, that generate bad feelings fairly often, but I've never had so many people upset with me personally. Because if you're the president, you're, you're going to get all the, get all the heat, because that's that's the figurehead thing. And, uh, and that's all right. I can deal with most of that. But, I, you know, I'm probably a lot like you. Things bother me, you know, and then I don't sleep and then I'm upset and then I got to go to the doctor because I'm generating too much acid and stuff. So I've had a, about a three-year period of all of that. It's starting to calm down, not, not, knock on wood. But, you know, um, it's gratifying. And what I'd have to say to anybody who's listening to this, because... A lot of false information started being generated around a couple years ago when we had some uh, some village issues that needed to be taken care of. Um, that's just how small towns are, you know. Uh, well, this guy did this and this guy did that, and that may or may not be true. And what I see in in America now is people just tend to believe whatever the crappiest thing is out there you know whatever i saw on facebook last is the truth for today whether it's true or not you know and um, so uh what i would like to say is everybody on that council man i mean it hurts hurts them when when people are upset about something that we feel that we're trying to do the best trying to totally be straight up straightforward and whatever's best for the town that's the way we we view it it's nothing personal on anything. But if you have laws and enforcements and ordinances, you know, you gotta, you gotta follow through. So we've done that, we've gotten police protection, we've constantly upgrading, I mean, new tennis courts, new, new water towers, uh, you know, we've moved everything. Now that's, that, was, that was me. Uh, I wanted to see all of the activities on Memorial Day and as many other things as I could happened down here because what was happening is, is all these people would come down here see the parade and then end up down behind the school or hanging around down there or just splitting and going home so i wanted to see this this in people's minds become more of a this is a town this isn't just a place you drive through to get to sturgis um, that's why little towns like this just die uh, as if you're not having activities and making an effort to chase and doing, doing things like that. So that's been an unbelievable. In fact, it's getting to be so big a success that this next year, Julie Tiller is really in charge of that now. 
um, next year we got to we got to figure it out because I mean it's getting so big it's like wow I mean we're really struggling with where to park people and uh, I mean last year was I don't remember but it was it was you know twenty five hundred three thousand people when you were already at the point the last year or two of having to park people down at well now climax market and shuttle them in and it's we did that and we did a lot of shuttling and still I mean you nothing can go everything and I that's part of what soundstage and me personally has done is produce big events like taste ofs and rib fests and concerts and and I owned a Broadway show company tour um, from 88 to almost 2000 where we did Broadway shows doesn't matter how good a producer you are or what you've got everything in a row, something's going to get funny and something's going to mess up and somebody's going to get mad. And So we do our best, but I'm so proud of the downtown. And after I'm long gone, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping they keep it down here because that could turn into just such a major destination. I mean, it's such a cool name anyway. Well, let's go to Climax. You know? And just knowing... Julie's passion for I mean gosh she was even on this podcast where we talked for an hour about yeah, Memorial great, Day girl, yeah. I can promise you she's not going to let up on something once she's got her no, teeth into it she's, and... she's tough and she uh, she runs it hard and um, uh, I think a lot of Julie you know but we, we have some legal things and some just logistical things that we we need to work out I mean but every year it gets better as far as logistics and I mean everybody Kevin which is rare because I also do all the advertising for Shipshawana on the Road, which is a traveling arts fair thing. And that's kind of what this is on Memorial Day. Um, it's rare, but pretty much every single every single vendor made money. Yeah, that's rare. So every single vendor was happy. So now now what's happening? You can ask Julie about this, but everybody wants to be here, but there's only so much room. And there's a common thread in just some of the things that you shared so far. Uh, you'd mentioned the names, uh, the Regazzi's, Penelope and Brandon. I don't know them. I feel like I've known them because I've been going to the barn since the early 90s. Yeah. And then with what you do here at Soundstage and what Julie and everybody's come together with Memorial Day, that all centers with a unique ability, and not everybody has that, to work really hard to put the focus on everyone else. Well, it is, and that's why I would encourage people to appreciate the fact that you have these kinds of sources as you got me you got Julie you got this that this that this person that person because uh, this is this stuff you gotta know what you're doing I mean it's not fooling around I mean there's people's incomes are dependent on it safety is now a big factor with this parade because you know you got crazy people out there you just never know uh, so we uh, plus in town here, um, we were able to get a grant based on a lot of COVID expenses and things. So at no cost to any taxpayer, for the last two and a half, three years, we've been able to pay for for uh, for extra police enforcement here because for a few um, years, years, Kevin, there was nothing. I mean, nobody. So there was there were some kids in town here over the years. It's kind of a cyclical thing, you know. You get sure. kind of a bad bunch and a good bunch and a bad bunch. They basically ran this town. I mean, it made me crazy because then everything I tried to do to stop it, uh, I'd hear from the police. Well, we got to be able to witness it. And we, uh, it's just it's tough. That was the ugliest part of our time here. Um, it's not like that anymore. I mean, we still get some some bad seeds and I probably was a bad seed when I was a kid because I see him doing things I'm thinking to myself wait a minute I did that I just didn't get <laughs> caught you know so um, uh, everybody takes it really seriously everybody on every committee takes it very seriously and I would encourage everybody and anybody to come to if you have a question or a problem or a concern come to the meetings or the second and the fourth Tuesdays of, or the first and the third Tuesdays of every month at uh, 630 in the history room in the library and um, you got a question come but not only with us with the township too and I think those are the second Tuesdays 
But there's a lot going on that everybody needs to be aware of, and that's what happens with these committees, is nobody shows up, so somebody pushes something through that may or may not be very popular, and then you have to deal with it. So my advice to anybody and everybody, if you have any questions about any of these things that are popping up around here, go to meetings. Come to the, come to the Climax uh, board meetings. Go to the uh, Climax Township board meetings. If you're interested, go into the Kalamazoo board meetings. I mean, I do. And if I didn't, I wouldn't know what was going on because so much of this stuff happens kind of behind the curtains. That's one of the best things to me about why I wanted to get back to this area. I got to a point where I basically lived half my life here, half my life in Chicago. And if I needed or I felt compelled to voice a concern in Chicago, I might as well write my thoughts on a paper airplane and fly it into space. Yeah. That that punch isn't going to land or I'm going to get glad-handed or yes-man from a politician. Whereas yeah. here, if there's a concern I have with the village of Climax or the township of Climax, call me I, up. Yeah. I know who the village president is. I know who the township supervisors are. Like Even I have some things in my notebook I've got to work on for the caroling on the corner. It's like, gosh, I've got to remember to ask Jim that before I leave. But it's it's the accessibility and that kind of can make that almost inverted stage fright of sometimes politicians can talk to the masses and it's like they're talking to no one. But here it's more like playing that venue where you can see all 15 people in the first row and you aren't blinded by the lights. Absolutely. And your mom and your dad are part of that. And uh, that's why we, we spent years working out how we could pay for and justify that electric sign over there. I mean, I get nothing but comments on that about positive. I've never had a, the only time I got a bad comment was somebody thought that he was mad because his tax dollars are going for a stupid sign. You know, I'm going, well, that stupid sign is going to let you know a lot more than you ever knew before. And it, and it does. And we, you know, we try and post local things and things that are happening. And in fact, I got to go over there and, and take one off now, but, um, so that's, that's part of what we do, and we, we try our best to make sure everybody knows, and everybody constantly invites everyone to come to the meetings. I mean, that's the best thing. And if it gets boring, and some of them do get boring, then go on home, you know, have to stay, you know. But, uh, you know, the, the county sheriffs come in and do reports. Uh, all the firefighters do reports. The uh, DPW comes in every meeting, does reports. Uh, if anybody has a question about zoning or ordinances, they come in and ask. We help them figure it out. Sometimes we're not that sure. Um, the big thing, things right now are, of course, the whole solar panel bit and all that stuff. And uh, that's a big deal. That's a real big deal. I mean, we, we tell everybody we're doing what we can um, for the village, which is a one square mile area. But if you want to see about the whole solar farms thing, you need to go to township meetings. That's your only recourse. And that's a very polarizing topic. I mean, just in the two, three months I've been home, I've talked to some folks who are adamantly for it and some folks who are vehemently (laughs) against it. Well, my view is that, uh, Kevin, is that, you know, if I owned a farm and and I had a few hundred acres or a thousand acres or whatever, and I'd been farming most of our lives. Uh, anyone who knows any farmers right now knows that you better have a whole lot of acreage. Otherwise, you're, you'll be lucky to break even and all that. So you're basically making three, $400 a, um, an acre or maybe three, $4,000 an acre or whatever. And then somebody from consumers comes in who are covered by half of whatever they're paying for is covered by the state. So they make you an offer of, you know, way more than that. It's, and, you know, who am I to say, um, well, no, you've had the, that land and, you know, no, you can't, you know. To me, that's that's their decision. So that's going to be with zoning and all that kind of stuff. But again, I'm pretty sure you would agree, and I know that a number of other people, I don't mention names, but... Um, scared to death because we've seen what's happened out by Cornwells and out by 94 and 69, that this this town will be just surrounded and isolated by nothing but solar fields. Now, if consumers had their way, 
That's exactly what they would do. And there are other factors involved uh, around here that would enable something like that to just kind of get kind of through and next thing you know, oh yeah, well, you should have gone to that meeting. So my, my advice to everyone is if you're concerned about that or anything else, go to the meetings. And it's the scalability of Climax, the ability to actually know where you need to go, know who it is, and actually have the conversations, especially after you know, no one really thinks fondly of the last couple of years with pandemic and the many things that came with that, but it, it really threw gas on the spark of what I call the fighting in the comments. And a lot more is gonna come out of going to the meetings or working with your neighbors and your representatives of the township and the village have a real dialogue on it. Don't wait till the meeting's over. They're popping in solar panels or not putting in solar panels or however it goes and then shout to the Facebook or Twitter heavens <laughs> that that's not the way I wanted it. Let's talk about this now. The time is now, not when the ink's dry on the contract, whatever the contract may say. Well, buddy, I'm, I'm not kidding. Time is now because uh, there'll be the planning commission over there and they're, I guess they're good people there. I, I don't know really any of them much, but uh, they put a lot of time into trying to do something fair. So, but they don't know. I mean, if, if somebody's got a problem, how are they supposed to know? I mean, that's all we do a lot of the time is just hope that we're doing the right thing and, and try and keep it in our minds that we're people just like everybody else. And what would I want or what would you want? And try and keep our personal agendas out of it. That's the biggest problem with with, with any kind of board is if, if you've been on many boards, you find that the person with the biggest mouth <laughs> is the one that gets the stuff done. Now, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's like real bad uh, because what'll happen is they'll keep riding you on, in your meetings until everybody else goes, all right, all right, all right, you know, whatever. Oh, fine, man, just quit. Let's move on to something else, you know. So that's how boards kind of work. Uh, the strongest person is the driver there. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I, I love my little town. Um, come to find out, and, uh, and I didn't know this, I knew that my great-great-grandfather, James Cummings, was one of the original settlers of East Leroy. Um, he's buried there, and uh, his wife and a couple daughters are buried there. Um, and his old homestead is actually at the back of a field and still the foundation still there. It's pretty cool. So I, I kind of knew that because my grandfather was, was born in, in East Leroy. But um, when I go through the history archives, your mom does and your dad does, uh, I've got four or five uh, relatives buried down here. I mean, so I got a lot of original, you know, genealogical connections with... Uh, Climax, and I didn't know that. I mean, I remember driving through here when I was a very little boy and my dad uh, having to drive around the, the monument in the middle of the Four Corners. I mean, that's how old, you know, that was. But um, yeah, man, I'm proud, I'm proud of everything we've done here. And, um, and I'm proud of the, the people that work on the... Um, the village council because I mean they're they're sincere everybody there is sincere and we understand about property values we understand about taxes we understand about our school system we want to keep healthy I mean we we know what's going on and uh, if 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 it's possible to make a, a an educated smart decision we certainly strive to do so well, and it's good to me to come back after so many years away because you leave any geographic area for 20 years. There's going to be differences, and I'd love to tell you they're all sunshine and roses, but mm. I was worried about the town for a bit with, okay, what might my next trip through town look like? And to see how clean things are, how safe things still feel here, because to me that's one of the biggest changes is a lot of public safety concerns have changed in the last 20 or so yeah, years. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, with the police. I mean, that, that's very important. Uh, uh, we, we've talked about uh, neighborhood watches and things like that. Uh, there's a certain amount. I mean, we have some problems with some 
some kids right now and uh but we're on it and uh this and the, the problems we tend to have with with uh, problematic homesteads and things like that uh, are almost well they're cyclical what tends to happen is some of the people that we that we have to really take care of to get it cleaned up they just they just wait a couple months and start doing it again that's it's just a repeated thing so we 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 keep an eye on that but also be fair i mean i want everybody to know that you know think about my background i mean i had a phenomenal uh, um, childhood with two educated parents who had good jobs uh, but when i went off the road on the band I, you know i was hardly making any money i mean i didn't know you know i had apartments where i had to share and how am i going to pay my rent this month and how can i pay this so i've been there i know so I've been real wealthy, I've been real poor, and I've spent a lot of time right in the middle. So I understand. So whenever somebody I see is struggling, and maybe that's a, that's a reason why they can't do this or do this or that, then I'm the first one to say, you know, we need to give them some more time or try and be a little bit more understanding about things. Well, and that empathy is so important <clears throat> to the, the small town. It's you get to bigger cities and things, it's, okay, citizen number 124-6A has voiced the complaint here. It's, no, nah, this, I'll just say Johnny Fake names. I feel like almost any name I pull out might <laughs> create undue offense or something. But you know who everybody is. You It's the, the conundrum of the small town. The best part is everyone knows everybody's stuff. And you know the, <laughs> the, the heart of these towns, especially this one, is the little old ladies. I mean, they know everything that is going on. And, you know, some of them are cranky, but I get nothing but positive reinforcement from most of the people who've been in this town the longest. Well, that's part of what we're trying to do with Climax the Podcast, which is now kind of expanded to be Climax Scott's digital network of, for lack of a better term, trying to take the concept of school spirit and help roll it out over the communities of Climax and Scott's and trying to get a little younger blood involved in the historical society. I hope so. And do you have any do you have any people stepping up at all? Yeah, well, so far like I've stepped up to do the Thursday nights, so we're doing Thursday evening hours so that you know, 10 Over to noon. Here? Yeah, 10 to noon on Tuesdays. A lot of people are at work or school or things at 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Well, then on I a got weekday. a couple of his, history things I'd like to talk to you about. Then. Yeah, well, you we can do that. But yeah, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. We just started doing that three or four weeks ago now, but trying to increase the audience and taking things out of the archives. Even the episode of Climax, the podcast that is out in the wild today, is a recording of Frank Bowman Sr., who passed away in 2001. Well, that came from those archives just a few doors oh, down from just here. Wonderful. And when I think of just one of the most important things for me is if you aren't here, and I know this is audio, I'm pointing to my telephone. If you aren't in the telephone or on the screen, you're probably not going to hit a lot of people 40 and under these days. That's just the nature of it. But when I think of things like right now, you've got Logan Gilbert, who's the quarterback of the varsity football yeah, team, state champion Logan. wrestler. You've kid. got his sister Ashlyn, in, uh, also in the school volleyball player, involved in a lot of other things. You've got their mom, Angela's, you know, the school administrative assistant right now. And in that podcast, I'm fairly confident that both Logan and Ashlyn have never heard their great-grandfather's voice because he passed away in 2001. I know well, they sure. were born quite a bit after that. Sure. So to think of the way that might resonate yeah, cool. with the youth and what I'm hoping is maybe Logan and Ashlyn listen to it. Hey, fellow junior, freshman, whatever it may be in high school, yeah. check this out trying to get some things that are going to spark interest in those, uh, especially like pre-teens to teenage groups. Because you know, my parents, I love them dearly, but they are not the youngest folks in Climax by a fair shake. And trying to get maybe some more people around my age or younger to, you know, I'd love to not have to cover every Thursday till the end of time. Thank but. you, though, man, for doing that. But to me, those things are important. And even through CSDN, we can talk through some things after the mics are off. But I want to start getting like cameras and audio into those meetings. Because the other 
thing you have in the modern age is we know there's three learning styles and some people might get everything they need from reading an article in the newspaper. But some people are going to need to see something that's moving <laughs> that with audio and some people may just have to experience it for themselves. So we're trying to create as much different kinds of digital content. So for the person that needs to read it, there's a way to read it. You need to hear it. Well, we're doing that now. And if you need something that kind of lives in the middle there, that's where we're expanding with like the use of the video channels and the YouTube and things like that. Well, what, what are you doing, Kevin? I mean, are you making a living doing this? You selling advertising? What are you doing? Well, that's the goal. <laughs> right now, it's I have the luxury of all the time in the world from selling my house in Chicago and going through, we'll just say, a legal matter that will probably reward me nicely by the time I'm done dealing with the legal matter. I'll fill in the blanks when I turn off the microphones. Yeah, yeah. Active lawsuits aren't the best thing for live media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but right now I have the luxury to kind of build something from the ground up. And right now, this isn't a secret. We even said on the podcast that dropped today, I filed for uh, 5013C because if we have a nonprofit organization for Climax Scott's digital network, that's something separate from the school separate from the village, separate from the township, but can work very closely with all of these three organizations and more, that opens up. Maybe there's potential other grant money that can come in. Well, there is. Maybe there's, you know, it, to me, one of the most important things is a transparency of donation because until really today, most people are like, okay, what am I doing? Am I just giving Harvey a hundred bucks or whatever we're donating? But trying to put together... Who's the board? Because one of the most important things to me is I don't want this podcast to only be my voice. I don't want videos to only be my face. And that's just mean to people these days. <laughs> my face has got some city miles on it. But now we're working with the kids in the school in the journalism class. They just started doing the ad reads for the podcast, starting to get their acclimation to the microphones going. Okay. And then eventually, hopefully having some video, like maybe a little... I think Good Morning America, but scaled to climax and probably once or twice a week. Those are some of the things we're looking at down the road. But as you know from working in the entertainment industry a very long time, it's very easy to get the cartoon cash register eyes or spread yourself too thin. And right now, we need more resources, but I think we'll get there. But a big part of that's going to be getting that 501 3C done, getting a board in place, but working with all the different organizations in town. Not trying to be greedy for profit. It's like, hey, if this happens to pay the bills and keep the lights on, I'm for it. But to me, it's a bigger picture. So for me, it's more put as much goodwill, in, goodwill into the community as humanly possible right now. And I feel like almost anything else will kind of fall into place with time, whether that be advertisers, whether that be PBS pledge drive type things once a year. <laughs> that no, may I'm take sure. on other forms, but Sounds for now like it's got a plan, yeah. For now it's do the right thing for the good people of Climax and Scotts and do that by highlighting like we talked about earlier. How do you do that by putting the focus on what everyone else is doing? That's the secret sauce. Well, good luck with that sauce. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't boil over, but time will tell. Yeah, I think you're doing great so far. I see your name all the time. In fact, I, I did have to wonder, you know, I'm going, oh, wait a minute, this guy's doing all this, and I don't, I didn't know you. I've never met you before. Um, this guy's doing all this stuff, and he hasn't contacted the president of the village yet. I mean, what, what's going on here? Well, there was a strategy there. We talked about that, but uh, wanted to make sure that people knew things. Like, there's no secret. I was in the running to buy the Climax Crescent. It didn't work out, but I wanted to make sure that Bruce and Crystal were situated and that everything was good there. And the reality is... Well, they are now. They're, they got to figure it out. Bruce is... Really, it hasn't changed much for Bruce, I don't think. He doesn't have to lay it out anymore, but he's still doing his reporting. Yeah, but the papers, it's still there. It's still Bruce reporting, and the paper's still going to be able to do what it always did. And I'm able to do all the things that probably were going to happen had I been successful in buying the Crescent just as a separate thing. And there's ways for that to work together. There's no need for, oh, we're competing media organizations. No. Hey, might want to mention in here, though, that their, their house is for sale down here. And uh, yep. it's a beautiful house. They just spent a whole lot of time and money fixing it up. Yep. It's just a great house, you know. So if anybody's interested in a good house in Climax, that's it. 
Heck, almost bought it myself. I can very personally vouch for that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting house. That was a that was a hotel. Yep, that was the uh, I believe it was the Northern Hotel. I just learned last week there was more than one hotel in Columbus. Oh yeah, well there was one. There was the Wheaton that sat right next to this. Yeah, there was the Wheaton and the Northern, but I believe this uh, Crescent House was the Northern Hotel. Actually, there's a couple rooms upstairs that they would rent to people to. Freshly one, there was a dentist and one over here, which is kind of kind of disgusting because this place never had running water up there. <laughs> so I'm thinking, boy, that must have been real pleasant, you know, having a dentist spitting out, you know, whatever. <laughs> yep, those are teeth. That'll be $25. Yeah, plus no toilets. <laughs> when we came in here, there was no functioning plumbing, no functioning heat. Uh, the electric was on, but it was the two wires oh, yeah. going through yeah. walls. So we had to do all of the all of the water, all of the electrical, all of the heating and cooling. I mean, there's five heating and cooling systems in this building now. Plus, the whole Quonset hut was used as a tractor repair and sales place. And uh, it's this has been a trip. I mean, it, it it never stops here. I mean, this building is now 100 and, what, 120 years old, and... Uh, Boy, there is always something wrong with it. You know, it's 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 a challenge. One of my favorite things, just walking through here today with you, right before we turn the microphones on, is for all you have put into the building, for as much modernization as there is here in the soundstage, one portion where we are now, it still feels just like Alfred Hoover's well, old hardware store. That was the idea. And, and when Al was here, uh, I just I really miss Al. I just loved him. Yeah, I just loved him. Um, he um, he knew anything and everything about this building. I mean, so any question I had, and he'd be right over here. I mean, he's such a wonderful person. But Al's around. I mean, I smell Al. Yeah. Al was a Al was a pipe smoker, and usually about once every week or two, when I open the door down there, a big waft of pipe hits me, and it goes away quick. But yeah, I'll, I'll still hang around here. So is Mr. Willison, I think, and we've seen a cat, and we hear walking all the time. We hear doors shutting, and so Al's around here. It's probably more than Al, but uh, there, there was a couple suicides in this building, and uh, um, nothing ugly, you know, just, uh, I, I know. And actually, now out at the um, Feed and Grain, they meet every morning and have their coffee and lie to each other and all that. Uh, they did that here for probably a hundred years. Um, there was a, I'll show you on your way out. There's a place where the stove sat, and that's where they all sat every morning. So I, I'll come down and I'll smell, uh, um, I'll smell cigarettes or I'll smell especially pipe. Yeah, because it's it's Al. Al Al's oh, that's that's what I associate with the smell of the 1904 space is that unforgettable pipe tobacco whiff that you would get when you would come into the hor uh, right, hardware right, right, in Seattle. Right. And you, you still do. And the cat, we see the cat and we hear the cat. But, uh, that, that's been known about since I think the 20s. People used to say that, it's, I think it's in your historical room. That's where I read it. I'm going, what is this? And, oh, well, it's a cat, okay. <laughs> I've seen that, or I've heard that, or I felt it against my leg. <laughs> just how much did we learn about Jim Cummings and this just part one and we've got part two coming at you next week thanks to Jim for sitting down for this really fun conversation talking all things Jim Cummings and his connections to the town of Climax as mentioned before the main event just want to give a little more information and a lot more is coming together actually a lot more is probably coming together in the next week or so but want to talk about caroling on the corners returning to Climax December 2nd 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. it's going to be downtown Climax there's going to be multiple stations and activities. I can tell you we'll have the Climax Scots High School Band. We have the United Methodist Church. We have Peace Community Church. We already have a lot of different organizations and sort of stations that we're going to have set up. And I'm hoping to have more specifics on that in the next week to two weeks for you, both here on the podcast and at ClimaxScotsDigitalNetwork.com. I've even had some contact with representatives from Santa Claus, and nobody has gotten back to me yet with a concrete answer, but I'm really hopeful that Santa's not too busy given the time of year, 
I think he's going to be able to make a little appearance so the kids can see Santa at Caroling on the Corners on December 2nd in downtown Climax. Now it's about that time of the week where we start to tie the bow on the end of this podcast. Thanks one more time to our sponsors and partners, Kristen Wachowski from State Farm, Eldred Homestead Bed and Breakfast, and Prairie Historical Society. Thanks one more time to Jim Cummings for being a great guest this week and next. And thank you most of all, listeners of Climax the Podcast. Your listenership, your subscribing, that's what keeps this show going and lets us keep doing what we are doing because I love bringing you every week Climax the Podcast, love letter to a small town. I'll talk to you guys in about one week's time. Take care.